Want to hear what NBA scouts, coaches, and agents are saying about this freshman class that is expected to dominate the 2023 NBA draft? Stay tuned as I've done hundreds of interviews and spoken with many different people on their thoughts about some of the top freshmen that are expected to hear their name called in June. Stay tuned. Good morning, happy Monday, happy start of college basketball season today. College basketball season starts, and I just wanted to thank you for making the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. That is prizepicks.com. Then the promo code is Locked On. And like I said, happy Monday. College basketball is just a few hours away. I think the first game is Baylor and Mississippi Valley State. It tips off about, I want to say, 11 a.m. Central. And it is here. So we sincerely thank you for listening to the, the NBA Big World podcast during the, the, the dead season, in a sense. And um, it just means a lot. You know, a lot of people have no interest in the NBA draft in September and October. And now college basketball season is starting. So now people start to show a little bit more interest. And of course, it's going to pick up as we get closer to the draft. But I'm just glad that we made it through that particular part of the calendar because sometimes it can be rough to come up with draft content when there is no games going on and the last time you've seen a prospect play was maybe like in April or so. So I'm glad that part of the calendar is over. All right, my name is Rafael Barlow. I am the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. In this episode, I'm going to talk about some of the top freshmen in this 2023 NBA draft class. And I, I've spent the last few months talking with different coaches and scouts and executives and agents to get their thoughts on different players. So these thoughts in this episode are not my own. So, you know, if you have a problem with it, these are just different thoughts that... Um, you know, they have shared with me and I'm thankful, you know, to have the relationship to where I can pick up the phone and either call or shoot a text to somebody and say, hey, what are your thoughts on this? And they can be pretty candid. For the most part, agents may have a different perspective than scouts. And I, I, I love like the, the tit for tat kind of because agents feel like they know more than scouts. And I mean, they are like, these scouts don't know what they're talking about. They're not doing their job. And then the, the scouts may feel like, you know, the the agents are just agents and their job is to promote their their client and, and they have their client's best interest. So it's kind of tough sometimes to decide which is the more, I guess, accurate take. But I do think that's the, that there is truth in, in both perspectives. Yes, the agent is is looking to promote their client. But they usually have more in-depth analysis and, and they take things into consideration on, on their clients. So, for example, a scout or even someone like myself can say, well, this guy 
shot this percentage from the field and then an agent especially if they do their their homework and they're really good at it they can put into context why this person their their advanced numbers may may not be great or you know they say that this guy was dealing with a, a ankle injury at, at this point in the season but these are his numbers before the ankle injury or this guy had this going on so sometimes it doesn't always make the the media as to why a player may be struggling in a certain department and agents really put it in perspective while again the scouts are just like hey this is what it is of course this guy's gonna tell you that if he had a different point guard or if he had a different coach or he played in a different system he would look better so anyway let's just get right to it so one of the topics that i discussed on twitter this weekend was that there is a huge divide between Derek Lively and Khalil Ware. And on one hand, I personally feel like Lively was the guy that was kind of highly touted before. And so because he was the number one player and because he was so highly touted that people are starting to kind of pick at his game and pick at his flaws while Khalil Ware is kind of like the the new hotshot, the, the high riser, the late bloomer. And so people are starting to really like him and some people really think where is, is better than lively so i will give you a a couple quotes so one quote I, I spoke to a scout and he was not as high on lively this is this is his quote the lack of aggression is a bit of concern he really doesn't do much in the interior and in terms of rim protection it's mostly second side or recovery he doesn't put a lid on the rim like people think he's not strong Although Kalel Ware isn't strong, Kalel is willing to play inside while Derek isn't trying to mix it up. So this particular scout thought Lively was the, the better the better prospect. Now, another thing that someone said about Ware, this is a different scout. He says about Kalel Ware, I think it's no ceiling on him and it's all going to come down to his motor. When he's dialed in and knows how to use his motor, he's going to be elite. For him, I think it's all about understanding the game more and improving his feel for the game. So it's kind of like he's leaning towards where because he feels like he's a little raw. But when he has the motor running that, he, I mean, he said himself that he's going to be elite, which makes me wonder, like, all right, if the motor is in question, what does he necessarily bring to the table every night if the motor is in question? Another comment about Ware is the physical stuff is there. He has this ability to track the ball and meet the ball at its peak, and he utilizes his length to protect the rim. I'm extremely high on him. Another scout says, I think he has stronger indicators as a shooter. So I don't know if he was saying he has stronger indicators than Lively or just stronger indi or strong indicators, period. But he says, I would not be surprised if he's a good shooter down the line. He's improved quite a bit in a short time now speaking of shooting a scout likes lively he says that he thinks that lively and this is the exact quote i think he can really shoot the ball and will shoot it well this season and that's going to keep him in the lottery discussion at his size he can really shoot it off the catch and how many guys can do that and block shots he's the second best big behind Wimbayama. So what I thought was interesting about that quote was he felt like the shooting is going to keep him in the lottery discussion and maybe I'm overlooking it, but 
it sounds like if he doesn't shoot the ball well, that the scout does not think that he is a lottery pick. But he did say he's the second best big in this class behind Victor Wimbayama. So that is interesting. All right, another player that scouts actually seem to really, really like, and I like him too, is is Jairus Walker. Jairus Walker is a going to be a freshman at Houston, and he is the epitome of versatile. And here's what one scout had to say. He's a Swiss Army knife, and he does everything on the floor extremely well. He communicates on a high level. He's a natural leader, and he's competitive. Another scout. He's massive. He's physically mature. He's smart and processes the game at a high level. He's a guy that teammates would gravitate to on the floor and in the locker room. And he's also a really good passer that can orchestrate an offense and generate looks for his guys. Teammates will love playing with him. And I agree. I, I like Walker a lot. And I do have this. How can I say? I do have a, a tendency to lean towards guys that can create different advantages because of their physicality. And so not comparing Walker to Bancaro or even Luka Doncic, but I like guys that are big and strong enough to where they can punish smaller defenders off the dribble. So you look at Luka, you put a small on him, he's going to just run right through him. Bancaro has been playing bully ball and he's running right through weaker defenders. But he has the, they both have the handle to where they can take bigger guys who are stronger off the dribble and make plays for them. And so Walker's not on that level as an offensive threat, but he does have the advantage, in my opinion, to where if you put a big on him, he can take him off the dribble. And if you put a weaker, smaller defender on him, then he can um, punish them. And then that's where his passing comes in. Scouts are high on Jairus Walker, but he's going into a very deep and talented team. So I wonder what his role will be. But I think that he's a lottery pick. So Jairus Walker, another guy that scouts are really high on. All right, when we return, I have a few more quotes that I that I want to discuss. But let's talk about prize picks. And prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. You just pick two to five players. And you decide if they will score more or less than their prize picks projection. You can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It is just you versus the projections available. And prize picks offer projections on any sport you want, which includes NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, which is now over. Shout out to the Houston Astros, NHL, college football, college basketball, women's college basketball, you name it. And entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It also has safe and fast withdrawals. And it is currently operational in over, actually, it's currently operational in 30 states, including Canada. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, prize picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, prize picks will give you $50. So do not forget to enter the promo code locked on at the sign up for instant deposit match up to $100. All right, shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. And thank you so much for making it your first listen of the day in the dead period. But now college basketball has started. NBA has started. 
it's it's game time. We now have plenty of content to talk about. But for your second listen, check out the Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today it is available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow, and I'm just going through a few notes that I have from different scouts and agents. Or right, Anthony Black, Anthony Black from Arkansas, he is someone similar to Walker that scouts feel like players are going to enjoy playing with. He's six seven guard. He has plenty of weapons around him this year. As Arkansas is one of the the most loaded teams, if, if not the most loaded team when it comes to NBA prospects. You have Nick Smith and Jordan Walsh are projected first-round picks. And then there's Trevon, Trevon Brazil, who is high-rising. And one question that scouts have around Anthony Black is, is he too unselfish? And here's what a scout had to say. I think he's a lottery pick. There are some concerns because he's not an alpha and not always aggressive, but he's an unbelievable kid, extremely unselfish, and wants to win. Another scout's take. He does a lot of different things on the floor. He passes and defends on a high level, but the shooting has a long way to go. I think it's some mechanical stuff with the jumper that he needs to figure out, but he does so many things well, and the measurables are there. He's an underrated athlete, which we're starting to see now. And he's speaking in reference to, like, it was an exhibition game where Black, like, jumped over a guy to catch an alley-oop. And I, I live in the Dallas area, so... I've had a chance to watch him play, and he's like this weird, sneaky, athletic guy. Like, when you look at him, he's not your your guy that just screams out or pops out at you as far as being like this bouncy, high, twitchy guy. But then when you watch his film, you notice like he gets a fair share of in-game dunks. He's like this in-game dunking athlete. As I've seen guys that are like high flyers, I mean, we've all seen it, the guys that our NBA prospects in a sense and we rave about their athleticism and you know during the pregame warm-ups they're jumping above the rim and and doing NBA dunk contest dunks but it doesn't translate and black is the opposite again he's not going to pop out to you as a phenomenal athlete but he does get his fair share of in-game dunks all right another scout had to say he's normal age for this class but he's just starting to come out of his shell as far as being aggressive. He was a late bloomer, so it makes sense. He's just starting to understand how good he is and how talented he is. So that, I thought, was a very good endorsement for Anthony Black, who has drawn some comparisons to Dyson Daniels. And Dyson Daniels is someone that, you know, due to injuries, he's playing, he, he's playing, um, you know, decent minutes for the Pelicans and ended up being a top 10 pick, which is something that I didn't see coming into to the season. All right, another player, and we'll just go with one of Black's teammates, is Jordan Walsh. Jordan Walsh is another guy from the Dallas area that I've had a chance to watch in high school. He's uh, one of the three McDonald's All-Americans that Arkansas signed. And he is a guy that really pops out at you as far as like the athleticism. He's like the opposite of Black. Like when Jordan runs and he takes off i mean you just he just plays very athletic and this is what a scout had to say about walsh he led arkansas in scoring the other day and this is a, a quote from i guess a week ago and this was the scrimmage against texas that i wish was televised but he says he led arkansas in scoring the other day versus texas 
He's an extreme competitor. He comes from a great family, and talent-wise, he's a monster. Another scout. The way he moves, I can't find a comparison. You don't see that often. At 6'7", with a 7'3 wingspan and ball skills, he's a freak competitor with a great motor, and his ceiling is high. And the common theme around Jordan Walsh is how competitive he is. He's intense, competitive fire, um, an alpha. He's, he's a he's a dog. And so I think those are pretty good characteristics to have. And I think that, you know, playing for Coach Musselman in Arkansas, that's probably one of the things that, of course, naturally, I mean, his skill set. But I think that's one of the things that may have attracted them to each other is they both are very intense competitors. And you want that. I mean, there are some guys that you may feel like they, they just don't care. There are guys that you feel like are just so talented and they kind of go through the motions, especially in the NBA season. The NBA season is a long season. And it's, you know, it's kind of understandable that guys can be on cruise control. But then there are guys like Jordan Walsh who you, you know, you can project, project to say, all right, this guy is going to, to bring it every night. All right, I wanted to talk about their other teammate, Nick Smith. And Nick Smith is projected to be, for some people, they think he can go as high as number three in this draft. Some people have him top five. But these scouts that I talked to are not as high on him. So Nick Smith is a 6'5 combo guard. And again, he's drawn considerable buzz as a candidate to be the first player selected in June. He's the headliner for Arkansas's class. But this is what a few scouts, this is what scouts have to say about him. He's hesitant getting all the way to the rim. He's got a great floater, but he relies on it way too heavily for me. But he's a really good shooter. Another scout says, I love guards that have a great float game at a young age. That's super important to me. He's not a great athlete, which is weird. You know, I've heard some people say that he's a really good athlete. They talk about his athleticism as being a strength. This scout feels like he's not a great athlete. Not saying that he's a bad athlete, but he was just saying, again, he's not great. He says, but he's a solid, solid athlete, and he obviously needs to add strength to finish at the rim at a better level. He's super reliant on the floater. It's something, and something is, is intact of the rim. It's something that he'll have to turn around, but I don't think it's something we'll see him change this year. So this scout does not think that Nick Smith is going to have efficient numbers or be someone that is going to be aggressive at finishing all the way at the rim he thinks that and actually kind of both of them feel like he is going to shoot a lot of floaters this year and that's not something that they're as high on all right Derek Whitehead Derek Whitehead is a guy that everybody seems to love he actually seems like based off of the opinions of scouts and coaches one of the more safer picks in this draft unfortunately He's got a a, a foot injury, and he's probably going to miss a little bit of time to start the season. But scouts are really high on him. Here's a quote. He's been at Mount Verde since he was in eighth grade, and he's super mature given his age. I think his game is scalable to the NBA, and that's probably the biggest thing for him. He's a great kid off the court. His brother is in the NFL, and he has all the bloodlines. He's going to shoot the ball. He's going to defend, and he's a solid athlete. Hopefully, We'll get to see him at full strength. And that's in regard to his um, foot injury. And then speaking of Mount Verde, he played with Kate Cunningham and Scotty Barnes. So he was on that team that was arguably like the greatest high school team of all time with all those guys that were drafted. I think Moses Moody was also on that team. Here's another scout's quote. 
even before the foot injury, he didn't create separation at a super high level. But I think his ability to make quick decisions off the catch would translate to the NBA. I also like his cool, calm, and quiet demeanor. He's the great kid off the court, and everything everyone has to say about him is good stuff. So the intel on Whitehead is good. A little bit of concern about the injury, but despite having an injury that's going to keep him out at the start of the season, it seems like based off of the scouts that I've spoken with, and even the ones that didn't, whose quotes haven't been mentioned, feel like he is one of the, if not the safest picks in this class. All right, when we return, I have a few more scouts' takes on prospects that I would like to discuss. Stay tuned. All right, once again, shout out to each and every person that has made the Slacked on NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. I'm Rafael Barlow, and I'm just going over a few comments and quotes from scouts. All right, Dylan Mitchell. Dylan Mitchell is going to the University of Texas. He's a 6'7 small forward known for his athleticism and energy. He is one of the best athletes in this class. But he has one glaring flaw, one glaring weakness, and that is his jump shot. And when I mentioned it to a scout, the first thing he said to me is he's only taken 11 jump shots in the calendar year. Or actually, he says, how many jump shots has he taken? So I look at my notes and I had said that, you know, he's a reluctant shooter. And to my notes, I think I only counted seven. And so that was, I think, in the 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 high school season. So the scout went on to say that he's only taken 11. He said he took seven in the high school season and four in AU. So basically, this is in early October when we had the conversation. He said in the last calendar year, Dylan Mitchell had only taken 11 jump shots. So I asked different scouts about their thoughts about him being reluctant. And this is what one scout had to say, and I think it makes a lot of sense. He says, I think it's really hard to evaluate his shooting at this age, right, at this stage. Because he's a late bloomer and he's really only played that one year against really high-level competition. If I were an outlier athlete like him, I wouldn't shoot it either if I could get to the rim 10 out of 10 times. So he's basically saying Mitchell was such a good athlete that he never really needed a, a jump shot because he always was able to score and impact and dominate games just off of his athleticism and energy. The scout goes on to say, I think he has to do more shooting and it will be something that comes along, but I'm not super concerned right now. Another scout says, I've heard good stuff about the shooting progression. I don't think he's going to shoot great this year. I don't think he's going to shoot at a high volume this year, but I'm not concerned about the hesitancy. Another scout says, I think the playmaking is interesting, and that's the thing that's popped out to me the most. I think he has real juice as a passer. And this scout also went on to say that he believes that as Mitchell continues to rise up the up, up the ranks where the competition gets a little bit tougher, then he's going to have to need a jump shot. But everyone seems to not be too concerned about it this year. And it hasn't been really brought up as a red flag. Right. The next question or the next player that I want to talk about is Cam Whitmore. Cam Whitmore is probably the most consistent guy that you see in top five big boards, at least on people's list as a top five player. And Whitmore is six, seven. He's like this combo for he's coming off a great, great uh, FIBA under 18s. 
But he's also injured. He has a, an injured thumb that's probably going to keep him out for the first few weeks of the season. But he is on the rise. He was someone that was a top 15 recruit coming into last season. And then he's evolved into a potential top five pick. Now, the question is, and I think this is a question that most people believe they already know the answer to. But is he going to be the first one and done from Villanova since Tim Thomas way back in 97? Like 99.9, actually 100% of the people agree that, that he will be. So this is one scout's quote. I'm extremely high on Cam. He's a dog. He's young and the skills have come a long way in a short time. He's a freak on both ends of the floor with an incredibly strong lower body. He's one of those guys that looks way bigger in person. Another scout says, he was a monster at the U18s. He can dribble, pass, and shoot. He's an underrated passer, and I think that's what's going to be what pops out for him this season. So, Cam Whitmore, a guy that, again, most people have projected as a top five pick. And right now, he is the favorite, from my knowledge and my research, the favorite to be the first college player selected in June's draft. All right, Keontae George. Keontae George is someone that I'm really high on, but the scouts that I've spoken to are 50-50 on him. Like, they will give him a compliment, but then they have some concerns. So I'll just read that right now. One scout says, the decision, the decision making is a massive question for me. He's looking to score and put the ball in the hoop. He's a gifted scorer, and he can get to his spots and rise up over defenders. But I'm looking to see how he processes things offensively. He's always looking to score. Another scout says, I know he can score and shoot the ball, but if he shows he can pass the ball, then he's got a good shot to be the first guard after Scoot. Actually, he's talking about the first guard drafted after Scoot Henderson. He says, it's only been flashes here and there, but he can make some nice reads and passes. I don't know if he'll show it this year or he may just be asked to score the ball. Another thing that scouts were concerned about was his position. So some were saying that they think that he's an undersized two. Some didn't think that he had the, um, I guess, the balance or the the mindset to be a, a point guard, despite the fact that they agree that he can make some good passes, but they just figure out, like, the balance that he's really looking to score. So that would be something that um, – I'll be looking forward to seeing because this Baylor team, he's playing in a crowded backcourt. Baylor brings back their two best players, the two leading scorers, and they all kind of play the same position. So you're going to have three guards. and I mean, they're going to be the best three-point shooting backcourt in the nation. So I'm looking forward to watching Baylor play, even though, I mean, I'm sure they're going to have a blowout win later on today. But that is something that I'll be paying close attention to. All right, the guy that is the most divisive prospect – the guy that some people think is a top five pick, some people think is a top three pick, and then some people don't even think is a top 15 pick, is Brandon Miller. Never seen somebody have such a huge divide. And I, I could do like a whole episode on, on Brandon Miller and just the, the wide range of thoughts on him. So he's 6'8". I've seen him compared to Paul George. I've seen him compared to T-Mac. And then there's some people that just compare him to Jaden uh, McDaniels, which is not a bad thing. But 
obviously that's a huge difference between Paul George, T-Mac to J.D. McDaniels. So one agent says he's a top five pick. That size and that shot making plus his athleticism is special. I see some Paul George in him. That's a quote from an agent. Another quote from an agent. Now, this is probably the most shocking one. He says, I would take him number two over Scoot Henderson. The only thing is that Scoot is a dog. If Brandon was a dog like Scoot and had that competitive fire, he'd be the second best prospect in the draft. So this scout is very high on his talent. He just wishes that he was more assertive and aggressive. Another scout, when I said that two people had mentioned Brandon Miller's a top five pick, he was stunned. He says, really? I understand the intrigue, but the thing for me is that the most concerning is the lack of shooting progression. And that goes hand in hand with his age. So he's basically talking about Brandon Miller turns 20 earlier this month. And so, or I'm sorry, later on this month. So he feels like as a 20 year old freshman and that, that the shooting should be a lot better. Which leads to another topic is Brandon Miller is around the same age as the Thompson twins. They can't shoot a lick. And their age is not really being brought up in question as much as Brandon Miller's, despite the fact that Brandon Miller is going to be playing college basketball while the twins are going to be playing basically high school basketball. So another scout was saying, he does some good stuff in the mid-range, and he's going to be a monster defensively. But most returning sophomores are younger than him. Given his age and the lack of shooting progression is concerning because he's not a great shooter at this point, and the decision-making is a little slow. He's not like a late bloomer or anything. He's been on the map since he was young. So this scout is saying that Miller just really hasn't gotten better as a shooter, and he feels like he's been somebody that has been on the radar for a while and it's just it's just still the same so very valid point there another scout says he's rising in my opinion but it's early the more i see his film the more i like him he's long agile and he can score all over the floor he also says i missed the tcu game and alabama had a scrimmage against tcu which i haven't seen the film yet but everyone that i've spoken to that has seen the film or was there was like it was a dominating performance. So the scout says, I've missed a TCU game. He scored 33 points, and they didn't have an answer for him. He was 4 of 10 from 3. And I've spoke to an agent that was actually at the game, and he's just like, he's top 5 without a doubt. And the one question that this agent had was the competitive fire. Like, they feel like he kind of coasts a little bit. Then I also heard one person say that he's never really dominated despite the fact that he has all these physical tools and these gifts and he can score all over the floor. One person mentioned to me that they've never seen him dominate consistently. And that's why he is not someone that they believe is a top five pick because they felt like even though he's older than some of his peers, he just didn't have a consistent track record of domination. So that wraps up this episode. Uh, I, I thought it'd be a little different to like give you some different thoughts and perspectives coming from scouts and agents and a few coaches. Um, I know one of the coaches from a, a coach of a player. So thank you so much. Again, thank you so much for making this Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. Now check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast because it is the biggest stories of the day. 
plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Again, today is the first day of college basketball, so I should have some pretty good takes for tomorrow's episode because I will be watching plenty of film. And also, I should have mentioned at the top of the show, I'm coming out with my first NBA Big Board Draft Guide. And I've been working on this so long. I mean, I've had plenty of nights where I don't go to bed to 3 o'clock in the morning. I have a, a son. He's not a newborn anymore. He'll be four months. So it's been tough trying to get as much work done. There are times where he's he'll wake up at 2 while I'm working, and then I have to stop. And But anyway... I've poured in so much time and effort into this draft guide. I've been working on it since August. I've been traveling. I've been talking to different coaches, scouts, and, and some of the the quotes and the intel that I that I mentioned in this episode will be in this draft guide. But it will be over 100 prospects, and it will be dropping this week. I'm about 90% done with it. Just got to do a little bit of fine-tuning. But please support. I haven't decided. Well, it will definitely be on uh, the NBA Big Board newsletter. And for all of the people that have subscribed for the year, you'll get an email in your inbox. It's a lot of work. And I did the, the whole design. I did the I did everything, basically every single thing from the design to to watching hundreds of hours of film to traveling to going to practices to going to games in Europe. I put my foot in, in, in this in this uh, draft guide. So hopefully you enjoy it. I'll give you a release date soon, but it will come out this week. So once again, thank you so much for making this your, your first listen of the day. Hopefully everybody enjoys the start of this college basketball season. And I'm out.